um, Pastor and I will be doing a tag team uh, this morning. Um, amen. Amen. Deacon, we want to remember you and your wife and her passing. We are lifting you up and praying that God just see the move that you make and everywhere that you are at, that the Holy Spirit would just comfort you. Uh, I understand that process that we walk through. It is not an easy one, but with God, it is one that we can walk through. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I'm up. Amen. I was sincerely hoping that there would have been a whole lot of more people here today. I'm going to tell you why, because I think it's something that as a church um, we have to address. Amen. We, um, as leaders, I believe have a responsibility through Christ to our congregation. I'm going to ask with, uh, if one of the ushers can tap on the door and they'll tell them to secure the offering and to come back in here. I believe it's that important. I believe it's that important. And I'm going to ask you to just stay with me and, and, and uh, do your best to just follow with both myself and Pastor uh, because we have been both very um, deeply touched by what is going on in America. Very deeply touched. And I want to speak to you on a few different levels here. And, and one of the levels being my uh, background in coming up uh, my parents, my mother was a very dark black woman. You could not mistaken her skin color. She was a very dark black woman. And my father was a very white, white man. You couldn't mistake him. And after looking back and seeing a few things, they were married right out of the time when it was illegal in the United States to marry out of your skin color. We have a dark history, but it is our history. It is our history. And I believe we have to own our history, but I do not believe that we have to be punished for our history on a continual basis. I believe at some point we have to move out of our history and move into cultivating a different culture around us. And I believe that it needs to come from every church in the United States. I believe that the mandate is not on Democrat, it's not on Republican, it's not on Independent, it's not on the Tea Party. So let's just get all that out of the way. Amen? We're going to drop all that this morning. But I do believe that we need to address uh, the fact that there have been black men that have been shot by white police. I believe that we need to address the fact that as I watched TV and I watched, I was just turning on Fox News just to kind of hear about what was going on in the world and all of a sudden there's shooting going on and there's a protest going on and, and I look up and I see a cop laying on the ground. They didn't show it anymore because I don't think that they were expecting that. Nobody was expecting that. And then we watched this as police officers were shot down, sniper style. These are people on both sides of the road here that had families. They had a mother. They had a father. They had children. They had a life. They had a life. Now, what we thought of their life and how they lived it, it really should not make a difference. They had a life. Life. Life is the most precious 
thing that we possess. We possess life and God gave us that life. He gave everybody that life. I don't care where you were born, where you came from, who your parents were. God is a gift from God and that is our life. That we have the opportunity in this life to know a God that loves us beyond ourselves. And we should stand up and fight for that in every area of our life. We should stand for what is right. Not what is right for you, not what is right for you, but what is right. There is an absolute right. And the absolute right is Christ. Now, I believe that I have some insight in both of these because you have to understand being who I am and coming up where I came up, I received the prejudice of white people. I've received that. I've dealt with that. I've been called a nigger. I've also been called a white patty, trailer trash, honky. I've been called that too. See, we don't like talking about this stuff in church because it's, it's, uh, you already feel uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Okay, I think what when when uh, uh, Italians came and 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 let's go across spicks and wetbacks and 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 what are they? You know, if you're gypsy, you steal. You're no good. Come on, let's talk about all the prejudice that we deal with every day, the pre-assumptions that we have about people that we don't even know. We don't even know, and we come in with a pre-perceived picture of them. And it breaks my heart. I sat there and cried. I cried when I saw all of these black people coming out in the street marching. I cried. I cried when those policemen fell to the ground dead. I cried because it breaks my heart to see the unrest that exists in our communities. And there are more churches per capita than ever before. Why? Why? And I thank God in living through that, you know, I had parents and and I had grandparents that loved everybody. That's the kind of household I came up in. They loved everybody. I'll tell you a quick little story and I'm going to release it real quick to Pastor. You know, I can remember my grandmother who was Indian and black. She's a black woman, you know, and this this sweet little, she was French. She's a white girl, was walking down the street with her baby and she was crying. And my grandmother looked out our big window and she saw this little girl, young woman walking down the street and she flew open the door and she ran outside. She said, baby, what's the matter? And come to find out that her husband had just beaten her up and threw her out. And so my grandmother brought her into our home. She says, I have family, but I need to get to them and I don't have enough money. My grandmother gave her money and we kept her son for almost six months. We kept her son, took care of her son, didn't ask her for any money, didn't ask her for any. We kept her son until she was able to get her life together and come back and get her child. That's Christianity. That's love. That's the example that we should be setting. That's what we should be doing. That's who we are. Or that's who we should be. That's who we should be. And unfortunately, I, I look at a... a, 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 a By the way, my grandparents were only one step out of slavery, mind you, because we have not been out that long. And I think as as people, we need to understand that. 
As, as the black race, we have not been out of slavery that long. And you have to understand the culture that was placed upon people when you had men coming in to just breed with women so that they can have more slaves to work. And so they didn't cultivate family, which is what we knew when we came over. Family. But they broke that. And they also denied education. And that's just not to black people. That's straight across the board because I don't think what a lot of people don't understand is they were white slaves before they were black slaves. Come on. Let's just deal with our history all the way, okay? So we have to walk through this. And then once you understand that, then you can stand against that. Then you can come out of that. What is the number one thing that keeps you ignorant? We just heard that in the teaching on Wednesday, is you walk in darkness. And why do you walk in darkness? Because you do not seek out the light. Do we even care to understand one another? Look at your friendships. Are your friendships blended? Do you have black friends, white friends, Mexican friends, Italian friends? Are you a blended person? I thank God, my family, I remember seeing all kind of people come in and out of my house and, and friends and dealing with. That was the way we were brought up. Do you have that? Or, or are you afraid of a culture that you don't understand? And can you get out of your comfort zone to step in to a different culture and to not prejudge it, but to judge the person on the content of their character rather than the color of their skin? I am so tired of it. Yes, I understand. It is an atrocity, okay, to shoot someone that is not armed. Listen to me. There is a spirit of fear that the enemy has placed on the United States, has placed on people, and we are afraid. We are living afraid. We are afraid of each other. We are afraid. And I'm going to say it just like it is. Black folks are afraid to get in their car and drive someplace in a lot of cities. And you know how I know this? Because when we went down south, people stopped their cars to look at us. I was literally told when I was young, he said, you are too light to go into the city that I'm finna go into. He said, I can't take you with me. When my stepdad told me this, can't take you with me. Your mama black enough, but you and girl, I'm leaving you here. I live this stuff. Live it. They're afraid. Black people are afraid to drive down the street for fear of getting stopped, beat up, or shot. And police are afraid. Because they know that they have people walk up to their car, black people walk up to their car, pull out a gun and shoot them. Do you understand? This is on both sides of the road. And when you begin to function in fear and you begin to let the enemy flood your life with fear, I'm afraid of you, you're afraid of me. And then we react out of fear and then we die in so many ways. We die because the enemy has effectively poured fear into our hearts on both sides. Now, I want to address Black Lives Matter. Don't get mad at me if you want to, but I, I'm one that I think the church ought to be the catalyst. The church ought to be dealing with it. All right? I'm going to deal with Black Lives Matter. I'm going to deal with corrupt cops. All right? Because we have both. We have both. There's bad apples everywhere. In all races. Everywhere. I watch a movement on Black Lives Matter. God knows I understand their feelings. I do. When, when you feel like you've been oppressed and you feel like you don't get the same rights and you feel like you don't have the same opportunities and you feel that you have to work harder than everybody else, all that the enemy takes and he begins to turn the screws. Ramp it up. Ramp it up. 
Okay? However, to me, if black lives matters, then I would be angry as a black person that every 14 hours in Chicago, a black person is killed by another black person. Every 14 hours. They have over a hundred murders. People are afraid. People are afraid. So just like I would tell my kid, and I do tell my kids, please stop, you put your hand on the wheel, okay? You talk, respect, you respect authority. Whether you like them or not, whether you think they're talking to you right, you respect authority. But we're killing each other. And, and where is the outrage? Where is the outrage and the outcry when we kill each other? When do we, as a people, and I'm gonna get to y'all later, and I'm talking to black folks in here now, I'm gonna talk to y'all, hello? When do we as a people step back and say, I'm not going to go out and protest, okay, and tear up people's property and act a fool and be crazy and shout kill cops and spew hatred because you're angry because of what's been done to you? When has that ever solved anything? When, as black people, do we not revert back to when we were slaves? Now, listen to me. The one thing they had was this. We're going to teach our kids. We're going to teach our children because ignorance breeds hatred. Ignorance breeds poverty. When do we as a people, instead of protesting, if every protester that was out on the street and there were black ones and there were white ones and there were Mexican ones, they were all kind out there with Black Lives Matters. What would happen if all of those people would have come together and they would have said, listen, let's organize. We're going to go into the schools. We're going to help the teachers. We're going to sit in the classrooms. We're going to tutor kids. We're going to come and clean up the community. We're going to do a neighborhood watch. Listen, you're having a problem with your kid. Let me mentor your son. Let me come, come bring him with me. We're going to create jobs. We're going to go to corporations. We're going to get scholarships. When do we come and we move in a different vein than coming out and protesting and all we are doing is looking for somebody else to fix the problem that we should be fixing ourselves? When, when, when do we stop asking for a handout? When, when do we start sending in black men set and ready to go to speak articulately about a situation, not with hatred, not with what you're not doing for me, but with a solution? We have the solution. When, on the other side, do we stop looking at a problem that exists poverty that exists and we are ready as cops and white people to say just shoot them don't even mess with them shoot them they ain't no good anyway when do we pull away from that attitude when do we take the fear that we are feeling when we stop somebody as white people and you stop somebody or you have to deal with someone when do you let go of the fear and you reach out and you touch someone that seems scary to you when do we stop when, when do we stop? People were going home from work. They just wanted to go home, be with their families. And you go up on the freeway, Black Lives Matter, stop the whole, I want to go home. I just want to go home. I just want to be with my family. And you know what that does? It breeds anger. It breeds anger. And now the enemy has won. We are in a perpetual circle of anger. Anger, 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 kill, hate, anger, kill, hate, anger, kill, hate, anger. And we live with that. It's in the church. Thank God it's getting better. 
but one of the most segregated places in the world in Sunday morning is churches. Well, I go to all black church. I go to all white church. I go to all Spanish church. We have, we have, we have, we believe this. We believe, we're, oh my gosh. Do we believe Jesus? Can we come together? Can we walk together? Can we come together, sit down, and look for a solution, a peaceful, loving solution? Now, I'm just going to give you a few scriptures. The Word of God says that thou shalt not kill. It means you don't kill. You don't murder somebody, and you surely do not murder people with your mouth. You don't kill their hope with your mouth. Don't kill somebody's hopes because they don't look like you, or it doesn't seem like they can make it. What happened to coming along somebody that doesn't know, that doesn't know how to act in the right situation and saying, let me help you. Let me look past what you're doing right now and let me see the hurt that's in you and let me minister Christ to you so that you can come out of the hurt and you can begin to build a better life for yourself through the blood of Jesus Christ. Everybody bleeds red blood. Everybody. And the devil is busy wanting us to look on the outside. Parents, when you sit down with your children, do not spew hatred. Don't sit up and tell them what the white man did. Sit down and talk to them about being a better human being, a better person. You tell them nobody can stop you, and the black people knew this back in the day with education. They cannot deny your talent. They cannot deny your education. They cannot hold you down if you present yourself and you go forward and you pray in the name of Jesus and you can move anywhere you want to. But we don't teach our kids that. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Why are we speaking out of fear? Why are we functioning out of fear? Why are we moving in fear when God has not given us a spirit of fear. Why are we not seeking the light and the knowledge of God so that we can fight fear in every capacity and move past it and be a people that love one another? I don't understand. I am perplexed by this. I am burdened by this. My heart is broken by this. I cry about this. I pray about this because I love people. Just people, period. The word of God says to love your neighbor as yourself. Why does that mean that one race is better than another? If you are my neighbor, you are my neighbor. And I will love you. And I will help you. And I will do for you. And I will kiss your kids on their forehead and tell them you're great. You're worth it. You're beautiful. Don't care what color you are. You're great. You're beautiful. You're worth it. You know why? Because Jesus died for us all. All of us. All of us. The word of God says to, and this is Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and you should have this seared in your mind, seared in your brain, because I want to tell you that this is the only way that we are going to stop shooting each other, This is the only way that we are going to bind fear. This is the only way that we are going to find ways as police officers to work with the community. And by the way, the new police captain in Dallas had worked with the police officers there. And they had really started moving in the community and building a relationship in the community. And they had really taken down a lot of arrests. And they had really taken back a lot of 
cop on black uh, things happening there. They had really worked very hard. So for this to happen in Dallas, a, a city that was really actively working to build a relationship with people is really sad, especially since the shooting, both of them did not happen there. And it's funny, I, I, I looked at the tape where the cop shot the black gentleman in his car. My heart went out to both of them. My heart went out to both of them because I understood the black side of it and I understood the black guy being fearful and, and confused and, and like, what do I do? What do I do? Okay, when you're faced with certain things, you kind of lose it a little bit. And I understand that that cop was so scared out of his mind. His mind was just, so you shoot. I seen the fear in that. God said, look past what you see. Let me tell you what's happening. It's fear. It's fear. Both sides. Both. No, it wasn't right. No. But it's fear. Fear. We're so afraid. So afraid. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Do you doubt what Christ can do? Are you a doubtful person? Do you doubt what he can do? Some doubted. After all of that, after everything he did, some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Teaching them teaching them, make disciples, teaching them, make disciples. I dare to say that it is your responsibility as Christians, it is your responsibility as young people to move past what you are comfortable with and to touch different people in different walks of life. It is behooving to you as young people to get an education, to understand your world around you, to bring and to teach and to speak and to move in an attitude of love and acceptance and giving to one another and caring for one another and loving one another. If we don't teach our young people this, if we don't begin to truly educate our children, black, white, Mexican, gypsy, whatever, any of them, if they are ignorant, if they are ignorant, then they will lose. They will lose. They will not get a good job. They will not move forward. They will not have what God wants them to have. We must educate our young people, and we must teach them love. Prejudice is a learned behavior. Because I tell you right now, if a black woman had to take a white baby and the white baby was hungry, she could put it up to her breast and that baby would eat, and vice versa. Vice versa. You know why? Because they don't care. All they see is life substance. They don't care. It's a learned behavior. Let's unlearn a learned behavior, because I find that in every place, there is a level there. It just is, because it's so much around us. It's so taught to us. It's a level there. It's there. But what I'm saying is, recognize the darkness. Plead the blood of Jesus. Make disciples. Teach. 
teach, teach, teach the word of God. Teach your children. Speak to them about love. And the only way that we will beat this church is one soul at a time. One touch at a time. One act of love at a time. We can beat this with a Jesus culture. Not a white culture, not a black culture, not a Hispanic culture, not an Asian culture, whatever. That's not the answer. Our answer is moving within a Jesus culture. And so I hope that you heard my heart this morning. I have been very troubled all weekend from the time that I saw the streaming of that video. And I am praying and asking God to help us to love one another. I'm so thankful that we are a multicultural church and that there is an acceptance here and that there is a love here. And because of that, I believe that we could be a true force in changing the minds of so many that do not have the blessing that we possess here at Glad Tidings. Thank you for hearing me. Amen. Thank you. How'd you like to follow that? How many know our best days are ahead? And the enemy is fighting what God is doing in America. God is working. I told you what I see is the rebuilding, the restoration. And the enemy is scared to death of it. Why else would you get a city that is leading the way in racial relations and and authority relations? Amen? And having a peaceful demonstration. I mean, everything was fine. The enemy stirred that up. Amen? Because he doesn't want that in America. And there are forces that are working, you and I know, that are trying to bring this nation to a place of martial law so they can take over. Are you hearing me? That's why we have to pray. And we got some, got some steps. When I heard First Lady share this with me last night, I thought, oh, Lord. Because I had just been in my study and I just read a, uh, a, a word from Pastor Jack Hayford. Amen. A great man of God, uh, founder of Church on the Way. How many know, have heard of Jack Hayford? Amen. Most have. And it was, a, it was a beautiful word on steps towards saving America. Amen. How many know America needs saving? And then we have a real part of that. And God is moving to do that, regardless of what you say. Don't be fooled and don't be dismayed and discouraged. I know it's hard not to be, but I want to tell you the end result is the enemy is not taking over. God is coming, is here to establish his will, his way, his purpose, and that is he's not done with America. I don't believe that for a second. And that we are going to see the rebuilding. It is going on right now. I think this is going to cause us to come together, not splinter. Are you hearing me? I already see it beginning to happen. I already see attitudes starting to change. From the top, I was amazed as I began to hear people are recognizing that this thing is serious, that they cannot foster racism and division anymore. They're going to have to do something or going to lose the whole thing. And so I see some signs, even at the top, which is encouraging in the midst of what is obviously discouraging to America. America this morning, obviously, is a bit depressed. Huh? How could you not be depressed and see what's going on? But God, but God, but God, but God, hallelujah, and we have the greatest part to play 
in this restoration, in this rebuilding. Uh, Pastor Jack Hayford had a series called 10 Steps to, Towards Saving uh, America. And one thing that he has, one of the steps, number two, was it was entitled America Being Rebuilt, Becoming Rebuilders, and Equipped for Rebuilding. Wow. That's what we're that's what we're doing. That's what God's doing with us. We are rebuilders. God says, I'm going to restore the years. Amen. I'm going to rebuild the walls that have been broken down. Lord, some tell somebody, I'm a rebuilder. I'm a rebuilder, and he's a restorer. So God, Jesus is Lord. I love that song this morning we were singing, Jesus is Lord. That was comforting. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he's Lord and not the devil? See, the devil's trying to show himself off that he's Lord. No, he's not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And I know he gets real upset every time we say it. Say it some more. Amen. Let me share just a word from, uh, from Pastor Jack, a word that uh, I believe will encourage us and will confirm. The Bible says in first, Second Corinthians 13, 1, in the mouth of truth and witnesses, let every word be established. And I was amazed at this word. I said, you have no idea what I just, what I just went over in my study. And when I came downstairs and she began to share what was on her heart. May I share this word with you? Amen. Would you stand with me just for a second? We've got a few minutes here. Stand with me. Kind of shake off those heavy bands. Lift up those holy hands. Hallelujah. God is in control. We're on the brink, I believe, of, of the greatest move of God. I believe America is poised. God is working. God is moving. America has woken up that we have some issues. We can't deny them anymore. We can't just ignore them. We are going to have to work together as a nation. Amen. That's one of the greatest things that has happened through what, the, what we've seen the enemy do in the last several years is America has woken up. America is the sleeping giant, and the church is even a greater sleeping giant. In the midst of a sleeping giant, the church has been asleep for a long time too. Come on. It's me and mine and what I'm doing and, you know, whatever else. Well, come see, come saw, case that I said, ah, well, it ain't like that anymore. Amen. What we do will make a difference. One, just one. What you do, what you pray, and I want you to hear the heart of this man of God because he confirms what our first lady has said. And I believe it was, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for what you're doing in America. Lord, we mourn and we grieve with those families that have lost loved ones and and the, the, the uh, a situation that we're all well aware of. And, Father, we thank you that you are Lord. And we bless you. We mourn with America. But we will also rejoice because we see the day coming. And we are part of that day. I want to thank you for it, a day of restoration. And a day that you are rebuilding and using us. I thank you for what you are calling us to do individually, personally. And I praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Now sit down and rest and be calm, cool, and collected. Hallelujah. Amen. Please listen carefully. I believe God's going to confirm and even expand. Starts out with dear loved one. I like that. As we celebrated another year of America's independence, last Monday, July 4th, I found myself reflecting upon something the Lord asked me to do in November 1973. I may know history repeats itself. During this difficult time in our history, the climate of our nation was nothing short of hopeless. Amen. And there is some hopelessness this morning. 
in America. Many, I'm not sure, believe it, it can be changed. Amen? I'm not sure many have even the understanding that and the hopelessness is something that we are dealing with. Anarchy at that time was at a high tide in our nation's college campuses. If you were back then and, and uh, born and, and lived during that time, controversy and scandal surrounded our government, and the credibility of many political leaders was crumbling. This was 1973. The struggle over policies relating to a faraway war in Vietnam wrenched our nation's soul with dissension and confusion. Yes, hopelessness prevailed like a heavy cloud over our land during this area. And make no mistake about it this morning, church. There is a cloud of hopelessness that is hanging over America this morning because of what we have been seeing going on. Regardless of what this was or that was or what, the, the end result is it brings a hopelessness to people as they see it disintegrating and wondering where do we go from here. Amen? Yes, it prevailed. But while the specifics may have changed, many of these situations likely sound very familiar in principle to you today. Do they not? <laughs> the news is full of injustices occurring on college campuses, the drama surrounding our president presidential election, scandals and alleged cover-ups in our government, and a terrorism crisis that is taking innocent lives and exciting, inciting fear at home and across the globe. There is that inciting fear. In the midst of all of this, a feeling of hopelessness is likely one that many are struggling with, which brings me back to what the Lord called me to do, November 1973, to lead my congregation in very intentional intercession. Are you still there? We've got a part to play in this. We cannot just stick our heads in the sand anymore. We can't just keep coming to church and doing the same things we do. All of that is good. But we have a part to play in intercession. Amen. And if we don't, then we assume some of the responsibility of not lifting this cloud that God has given us the power to do individually and then collectively it is even greater. Are you still there? At first I thought this was only a local call. But I quickly discovered that during the same time period, a movement was being born by the Spirit across the country. Let me tell you, there is a movement being born in this era, this time, across the country. And I'm going to share with you what that, what that movement is. Many churches and believers were coming together to pray, and God did something wonderful. I was very encouraged Wednesday night. I'm not doing a full schedule yet, so I'm coming in a little bit later. I can't do the whole full two hours, but as I came in, I saw there must have been a good 15, 16, maybe more people here on Wednesday night at the prayer time. That is encouraging. I mean, know that is by the Spirit of God. People are sensing their spirit that it's time to pray. Remember that little thing we put in the bulletin? It's time to pray. America, the church is good about talking about prayer. They're good at talking about a lot of things, but they're not very good about doing them. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, my. Yes. But the church is waking up. God is stirring the church. How many know that's not because I said anything? That's because God is moving by his spirit. You get that many people in this congregation praying, God's doing something. And I tell you, I know how that is because for years I've talked till I'm blue in the face. I've said things till I said, God, I'm not saying no more. It don't make nothing. It's just hot air. It's like spitting in the wind. You ever had that with your kids? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, 
They've never had you spitting mad. All right. So God is moving. That's what I'm here to tell you. I'm here to God got good news. I said I got good news. God's spirit is moving. He's moving on his people. And he's moving in the right area in intercession. That's where that's where it starts. Amen. And boom is being born. Many church believers coming together to pray. In less than four years, America's condition, listen to this, God did something wonderful, which journalists were likening at that time to the potential self-destruction of the Civil War. It was that bad. And had been considerably, was considerably reversed. By 1976, the Washington Post was trumpeting, a new spirit has come to America. That was during the Vietnam era. And if you lived during that, you know that was a, it was quite an hour. Loved one, you and I know what the Spirit was. It was the Holy Spirit of God's creative, redemptive power at work. And so here is a message for this time and this generation. God is speaking about America today as well as to her. He's speaking about her and he's speaking to her. Amen. God is speaking about this church and he's speaking to this church. He's speaking about your family and he's speaking to your family. He's speaking about your situation, but he's also speaking to your situation. Most of the time we've only heard God speaking about it, but not to it. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so we are wise to listen. As believers, we have reason for hope and cause to chart a course of faith-filled action. We have reason for hope. If we have not hope, then we are of all men most miserable. Amen? If you lose hope as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're in big trouble. Thank God for faith, hope, and love. Hallelujah. In the midst of it all, though seriously imperiled, we have a chart of a course of faith-filled action. God is charting a course for us. Faith-filled action. Somebody say action. See, our little kids like the little action figures. What are they? The, the little things that twist and all that? Transformers. Oh, my God. You know, I should have brought a bunch of little transformers today. I hadn't thought of it. Give everybody a transformer when they walked in for the bulletin with the bulletin. We're all little transformers. Amen? As God charts a faith-filled course of action, we've got a course that God is charting for us. We're not just in this willing, excuse me, well, I didn't mean to use your name in vain. Amen. We're not just in this lackadaisical and don't know what we're doing. Just, oh, well, what's going to happen? You know, there seems to be no room. God has a charting a course for us and a course for you and for me and for us as a church. And it's a faith-filled course. You won't get it with fear-filled. That won't work with this course, God. Because you said God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm believing that no matter what, God, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And I believe my, my prayers matter. I said I believe my prayers matter. I believe Daniel's prayers mattered. I believe uh, uh, Hannah's prayers mattered. I believe Paul's prayers mattered. I believe prayer changes things. It matters what we do. Hallelujah. And the flip side is it matters what we don't do. And the devil's working on don't do. He's working on us all the time. Don't do. Don't have time to do that. Busy, 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 busy. Hey, man, you know what I'm talking about. But there is a faith-filled course of action that God has laid out for us, just as he did there in the 
in the Vietnam area. Amen. And though seriously imperiled, the future of America is salvageable. It is in peril. It is in trouble. God spoke to my heart some months ago in my own prayer time, and it wasn't anything that the, the word that he spoke to me was not uh, uh, anything that was earth-shaking. The only earth-shaking thing about it was that it came from God. When God speaks to your heart, I don't care if it's something that's spoken by a million people, but when God speaks it, it means something. And God spoke three words to me. He said, America is in four words. America, I can't spell here. i got to work on this. America is in trouble. I'm smiling, but it wasn't funny. When God said America's in trouble, I knew that was serious business. When God says something's in trouble, it's in trouble. Woo. Yeah. And so God knows what the problem is, and he knows what the answer is. He had the answer before we had the problem. I said he's got the answer before you got a problem. Hallelujah. And there is an answer to every problem. Every problem is an opportunity for God to show himself. Hallelujah. Do you have a problem today? Is there problems in your family? Is there problems in yourself? Are you having a problem? I mean, a lot of people are having a problem this morning. You know who they're having a problem with? The biggest one is with themselves. Because God is dealing with the church. He's dealing with us, his people. And we can't keep going on as we have been going. Because they, what they say, the definition of an insanity, you know what it is. Keep doing the same thing you're doing. Keep getting the same result you're getting. That is insanity, is it not? Hallelujah. But it's not just doing anything. It's doing as God leads us. Aren't you glad God's not insane? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean to be honest, maybe God was a little crazy. I'll leave that alone. America is salvageable. Do you believe that? Praying believers filled with passion and living faith are the key to this or any nation's rescue. Praying believers are the key to the rescue. You are the key to the rescue in your family. You are the key to the rescue of whatever God burns your heart to pray for. You hold the key of the kingdom, the keys, and so do I. And we hold the keys to this nation's rescue, the church. This isn't mere nationalistic small talk or patriotic excitement. That's great, but this is biblical. This is our biblical assignment. Somebody talk to yourself, say, I got an assignment. It's time to pray for America. Let me ask you, how many prayers have you prayed this last week for America? I mean, really prayed. How many prayers have I prayed for America? Not enough. Not enough. Can I say that just for myself? Maybe you have, but I think it's so serious. We need to, we need to really make some time, and we really need to pray. I said, God, what do I pray for leaders? He said, pray for wisdom. You need wisdom. Pray for them for wisdom. Somebody shout wisdom. Father, give our leaders wisdom. Amen. You know, God will even give, I'm not sure he'll give a fool wisdom, but you know, if you pray for a fool, God might do it. Amen. And I base that because every one of us was a fool at one time. Come on. Oh, I know. Turn and look at somebody and say, I know he's talking about you. Amen. Hallelujah. Our prayers and influence hold the potential to determine our nation's destiny. It's very destiny. Can you imagine that? Our prayers and influence. You are important. You're not just somebody sitting on a pew on some Sunday morning. You're important. 
your prayers are important, one has always been a majority with God. Amen. Whew, that, that encourages me that what I'm doing is, has purpose. Amen. And it's not for naught. Praise God. The Lord has brought miraculous turnarounds before, and I strongly believe the church has a distinct opportunity at this very moment in history to rise in faith and impact our nation again. How many believe that with me? So what do you do, and I do now? To start, we must believe and trust the promises of the eternal scriptures. We must be caught in the grips of God's promise. If my people, you know Second Chronicles 7.14, who are called by my name, you can quote it will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Do you know one of the most wicked ways in the church? Do you know what it is? What do you think it is? Somebody talk to me. Ignorance? Well, that's part of ignorance, but uh, specific. You're too generalizing. You're just, yeah. Huh? Oh, wow. You're good. Prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is wicked because it says, I don't really need to depend on God. I don't really need to pray that much. I can do this. I'm self-sufficient. I've got it going. i got enough, and I don't really have to trust God. People usually only pray when they get in a crisis. It's true for all of us. Come on. When do we really get serious? <laughs> I never considered prayerlessness as wickedness. You know why? Because we always want to look at the prostitute and the, and the drug dealer, and, and it's always what there, what that over there, and not here, not in here. But it's what's in here that's going to affect what's out there. And if it's not being affected out there, it's because it's not effective in here. And that goes from the top, including myself. Come on. Whew, I got too much of a witness on that, Lord. I was going all the way through me there. Jesus. Help me. Freddie, you come preach to us. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Raymond, somebody. Hey. <laughs> So what do you and I do? We humble ourselves. I mean, no prayer is humbling. If you can get down on your knees at my young age, at my age, it's better to get on my face. <laughs> Hallelujah. Beyond merely referencing or quoting this scripture, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, in a sentimental manner, we must treat this promise like the covenant with the Almighty that it truly is. It's a covenant promise. It's a covenant promise. I will heal your land. I will heal your land. Our land will be healed. God cannot lie. I may believe God cannot lie. God is truth. I will heal your land. What's your land? It's where you live. It's your terra firma. Your land starts with you, your house. I will heal your land. Whew, my God, start right here, Lord, healing our land, healing our families, amen, helping our children. These are serious times. Yeah, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. We've got to treat it like it's a covenant with Almighty that it truly is. And if we do our part in prayer, I may know he'll do his part in redeeming grace. If we do our part in prayer, he'll do his part. Amen. I try not to reach for the paper first before I reach for the Bible first. Can I get specific? I try to hear what God's saying first before I hear what others are saying. I don't always accomplish that because there are some that I like to hear. Yeah. Usually myself. No, I'm just kidding. 
Can I lay a little further? I want to hear my wife. No, I'm just kidding. Say, that brother really needs to pray. He really needs to pray. If we do our part, God will more than do his. So we got to be intentional. We must be intentional about blessing our enemies. Uh-oh, here's the confirmation to this word. Uh-uh. Facing the distressing aspects of America's society's behavior and legislation has caused many to become fueled in fury. How many talk back to your TV? How many have thrown anything at your TV? How many had to get a new TV because you messed it up? I don't. There's times I'll hear people talk and say, liar, you big liar. The truth is not in you. Your father is the devil. I don't blame somebody just turning this, they just turn off the TV and turn into Netflix or something. Amen. Glory to God. And so we got to become because uh, we be caused, it's caused so many of the, the distressing aspects of our American society and the behavior and the legislation and what's going on has caused many to become fueled by fury. We're just so angry at what we see happening and what's going on with our beloved America and who's doing it. And I don't know about you, but I'm a man of passion, and I'm sure you are men and women of passion. And I want to tell you, I feel feelings sometimes when I see things going on. I want to get me an Uzi. And then I say, that ain't right. Lord, fill me with your agape love. Amen? All right, let me bring it down to where you are. Maybe you didn't want the Uzi, but you're using your car like an Uzi. Oh, push that person right off the road, bless God. They don't know how to drive. I almost ran upon somebody this morning coming to church. They didn't know that you stop at a stop sign and keep going. You know, after you stop, you go. No, they stopped, started to go, stopped again. I said, oh, my Lord, what are they doing, picking their nose or what? I mean, no, that's really not very gracious to say. Other times I've done rule and said, Lord, help that person get to where they're going because if they keep going like that, they are not going to get there. How many know that's good intercession there? I didn't make it this morning. I was in a hurry trying to get to church. Hallelujah. Now, you're going to make me feel like I'm the only one that has those feelings. You ought to hear some people while they're driving. Ooh. I've seen good Christians, eh? They got bumper stickers and peace signs out the front window and bumper sticker on the back. Waving their arms and yelling. And, <laughs> and we're teaching our kids that if we're not careful. Because they'll speak back to us. I got one that speaks back to me and says, What are you doing? Get out of the world. He'd have me out there fighting with him if I listened to him. I won't tell you who he is. He's, he's in the service today, but I won't mention his name. He's a man of passion too. Amen. God help us when he gets a license. I'm hoping he'll get driving saved before then. Amen. Hallelujah. We got to be intentional about blessing our enemies. I said we got to be intentional. Acts gives us a prayer. Father, open their eyes. Turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. That their sins may be forgiven. That's the bottom line. If they don't get their sins forgiven, they're going to hell and they're going to pay for their own sins. And I don't want anybody to have to go to hell. Even the ones you told to go to hell. I don't want them going to hell. This last week. Amen. Oh, well, that, that was a different congregation. I'm sorry. I've got the wrong place. We've got to have the answer to our passions. Because, see, that's what fueled us before we knew the word. 
We didn't pray for those for our enemies. We didn't love our enemies. We did back to them whatever they did to us. Amen. And where'd that get us? You know where that got us? In bondage. We paid for their sins along with ours. And so we've got to use the word. When I feel that rage, come on. Don't tell me you don't feel some rage with what you see going on. Don't tell me you couldn't get Ozzy or a gun and go blow somebody away because of the injustice. Have you ever had those feelings? Man, I'd just like to just get out there and just take care of it. I may know that's the flesh, big time. And I may know if we don't get in the spirit and begin to pray, America could come into a civil war, come into racial wars. That's what the devil wants. That's what he's been fueling for years. That's what he's been setting up. Divide and conquer. Take over. Cause anarchy so we can declare martial law and take over. One world. Socialism. Because their opinion is that people are stupid anyway and they don't know what they want. We're God. We know what they want. Government is not God. You are not God. Little king, emperor, whoever you are in Congress. God is God. And we reject socialism. We reject it. It's not worked anywhere. Look at Venezuela. Look, look at Cuba. Why do little men who have a God complex think that their socialism brand is going to work anywhere, but they keep coming up thinking that it's going to work. They think they can't have a utopia without God. You know why? Because they think they are God. Come on. And that's the problem we have with men that are not saved. They think government's God. Come on. And how many know they have their own communion? You know what their blood sacrament is? Abortion. Why do you think they fight so hard for it? They don't want anything that's going to stop it. You know why? Because it is their communion with the devil. Are you hearing me? And they have their priests too. Just like the church. We're priests under God. They have their priests. Who are their priests? They are judges who are godless. Israel had the same problem. Crooked judges, corrupt, doing the will of their father who is Satan. You see it all the time. So how can you not be hopeless with what you see? Because we know there is a government. Amen? Behold, a son is given. Ha! Woo! A child is born. A son is given. And on his shoulders shall be what? The government. Yeah, there's a government. It's not that one that they're trying to bring. Amen. And so we're fighting with it with all we got. But we have to fight. It's a good fight. But how many know we're a long ways down the road? I said we're a long ways down the road further than you think. If we knew, boy, we'd be praying more than we are. Amen. So I'm just going to not know and pray anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah to God. Glory. Are you getting anything? We got to be intentional. Somebody say intentional about blessing our enemies, blessing those who curse us. We cannot act in kind, especially on the roads today. Driving. People are killing each other just for looking at them bad. You gotta behave. Be careful how you act out there anymore. People are frustrated. They're uptight. They're strung out. They're stressed out. They're angry. You just look at them wrong. Pow! Much less you go off and give them your two cents and give them a reason to shoot you. I'm trying to help somebody in here before you get shot. It'd be better if you didn't take a gun with you when you drive. 
That's for somebody. I don't know who that's for, but put it in the trunk or something. Hallelujah. All right. We got to be intentional. Say, so we got to be intentional about blessing our enemies. You believe that? How many have some enemies? How many have had an enemy? How many blessed them? You either bless them or you blast them. Yeah, it says a whole bunch of stuff that we sure don't want to do. But the Holy Spirit does, and he helps us do it. Amen? Yeah. Facing the distressing aspects of American society's behavior and legislation has caused many to become fueled by fury. There have even been some that have sought to rile up their congregations to anger, to stir and spur them up to anger. I've seen congregations and pastors, unthinkable, unbelievable, part of the problem. How many know we're either part of the problem or part of the solution? Glory to God. I want to be part of the solution, don't you? I don't want you to be part of the problem. Come on. I know this is a lot for you to handle on a Sunday morning, but Monday would have probably been better. But you wouldn't have been here Monday. Please hear this. Jesus is calling us to be the answer to our nation, not to be angry with it. He's calling us to be the answer to it, not to be angry with it. I've got to remember that. That's why I gave you the prayer to pray. God would open their eyes, turn them from darkness, Lord. Hallelujah. I may know you may be the only one praying for them, although I believe others are. In Matthew 5, Jesus specifically calls us to love your enemies. How many love that verse? Bless those who curse you. Anybody have anybody curse you this week? You just said, no, bless you. That was after you put them on the ground and said, bless you, brother. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. How many know we're going to have to have the Holy Spirit to help us do that? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the fruits of the Spirit. Thank God for greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Thank God that God does that, the fruits of the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you're going to have the fruits. If you don't have the Spirit, you ain't going to have the fruits. Then you'll just be a fruit. Oh, I very good. We can never pray effectively for either a person or a nation that we don't love. Wow. I've got some people that I, I confess I was not loving at the moment. Huh? Come on, you're going to let me hang out here? And so immediately I have to ask God to fill me with his love. Fill me with your agape love, Lord. I've had to pray that more here lately because there's a whole lot of folks acting fools and crazy. And, and I may know we're probably going to get more of them. And what do you do when you're surrounded by fools and crazy people? You act crazy. Come on. If you don't ask God to fill you with his love. How many know when you ask God to fill his love, he'll fill you overflowing. He shed the love of God abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Woo! I can love everybody. I can love the one that persecutes. I can love, I can bless my enemies. I can, I can pray for those. Oh, it's so wonderful. Isn't it so liberating? Isn't it so freeing? Glory to God. It feels so good. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, I just love you. I just tell them I love you. God just gave me love for you. Yeah. 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 I hated you when I came in, but I love you now. Amen. You said the wrong thing on the way. Yeah. On the way to church, but I love you now. Amen. I mean, no, some of the greatest fights are on the way to church for church folks. Number one, the devil hates you coming to church. Hates to see families come to church. So if he can get you in a fight, he will. Amen. Hallelujah. We better move on from that. We can't pray effectively for a person or a nation if we don't love it. We can never pray successfully for society if we are filled with anger toward it. 
Amen. Standing firm. Somebody shout, standing firm, but in love. Yeah. He continues, we are at a crisis point in our nation on a number of moral fronts. But here again, any self-righteous moralizing will only further isolate us from our society and build walls of resistance in our ministries. Is that what First Lady was saying? Let's not build walls of resistance. Let's not be moralizing. There is morals, but let's not be using that to look down on whatever it is, transgenders, whoever. Fill us with your love, Lord. Instead, may our hearts be broken and our spirits be moved to pray against the sinful devaluation of God's creation. Amen? I pray against the sinful devaluation in that life. How dare the devil do that to that person? How dare he devalue them that way? How dare he confuse them that way? How dare that he, he humiliate them that way? How dare that he confuse them that way? Release them, devil. Loose them and let them go in the name of Jesus. Whoo. The effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women avail much. And the saddest thing is when we have the enemy attacking our families and we deal with some of those situations in Christian families. Amen. People are dealing with a lot today, are they not? I said people are dealing with a lot today, are you not? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking to you, but man, I have no idea what you're dealing with, but I know you're dealing with a lot. It's a miracle you're even here this morning. Amen. And there's some that are not here that are dealing with a lot, and we've got to pray for them. Continue to lift them up. Speak words of encouragement and hope to them. Not put them down. Amen. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel that. You never know when somebody's ready to give up. These are days that are difficult, as you well know. You never know where somebody's at. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Standing firm. Standing firm. We must understand that emptiness and apathy towards many issues in our nation is rooted in a loss of hope for tomorrow. Do you understand that? I'm understanding that, that the emptiness, the apathy, the I don't care, this or that, towards many issues of people just zoning out, it's rooted in a loss of hope for tomorrow. They see no hope. Why do you think there's so many people on drugs? If we didn't have a hope, we'd be loaded this morning. Most of us. I better move on from that one, too. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I'm not going to go there. As hope is restored in our society, the value of life and family will be restored as well. As hope is restored in our society, so will the family, so will the nation, amen, be restored as well. So standing together across doctrinal lines, quickly in closing, for the church to rise up and change the tide in America, we must pursue unity. The effectiveness of the body of Christ is crippled when disunity is present. Amen. Mutual respect among all God's redeemed family is absolutely essential for us to win a nation. Mutual respect. I do not have the right to disrespect you. No matter how I feel about you, no matter what you may do that I don't like, or whatever little idiosyncrasy I have, I do not have a right to disrespect you, brother or sister, in any way, shape, or form. That's the first thing that happens when a marriage dissolves, starts to dissolve, or anybody's relationship here is a lack of respect for that person as a person, for their views, they see it. You may think they're loony and part of the Looney Tunes. Think what you want, but show respect. 
give honor. Honor. Don't dishonor. Dishonor is the first thing. If you want to build something back, go back to where you started dishonoring one another. Yelling at each other is dishonoring. Come on. I mean, we only holler when we're losing the argument. We only throw things when we haven't got anything else to do because we can't win it. Tell somebody it's true. My voice will get, men are pretty good at that too, you know. I don't want to pick on the men, but women, they're pretty good too, though, yeah. Well, we're going to leave that alone. We're leaving a lot of things alone here today. The body of Christ is crippled when disunity is present. Disrespect, dishonor. I want to honor you. I want to honor you as a person. Can I stay there just for a second? I want to honor you. And I want you to feel that honor and that respect. Because it's easy to dishonor each other. Because we're displeased. Or you're not making me happy. Or you're not pleasing me in this area. Or you're not doing what I want you to do. Well, who are you? That may be true, but what is your attitude? Amen. Hallelujah. They say you catch more what? Bees with honey? I guess the honey give the bees. Well, flies, whatever you want. I hate flies. Amen. Mutual respect among all God's redeemed family is absolutely essential for us to win a nation. Amen. Such unity requires an end of suspicion. Somebody say suspicion. Criticism. Judgmentalism. And all separatism based on any ethnic, cultural, or other divisive factor. We must also set aside doctrinal hair splitting. Driving wedges between believers is a very effective ploy of the enemy to debilitate the church. Driving wedges. If he can get a wedge between you, he will. Husband and wife, he's working 24 hours a day to put a wedge between you and your spouse. He's working to put a wedge between you and me. He's working to put a wedge between this brother and this brother. Any way he can to drive a wedge between us. Because unity is where the blessing flows. How good and how pleasant it is when the brother dwell together in unity. There the Lord poured out a blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But it won't just happen. We have to be aware. Amen. We have to recognize that we have a part. Jesus' prayer is ours to answer that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. One of the greatest prayers Jesus ever prayed was every one, but he also prayed, Lord, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. I pray that you keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. That is a prayer we need to pray for one another. Keep that brother from the evil one. The enemy, the evil is at the door. It's wanting to take them. It's wanting to abuse them. It's wanting to devour them. Separate them. Keep them from the evil one. I asked Jesus about it. I said, Lord, I don't want to be disrespectful, but why did you leave us here instead of just praying for us? Why don't you do something? Why don't you take us out of here? He said, well, if I take everybody out, there ain't nobody going to be here. So I'm just going to pray that the Father keep you from the evil one. We need to pray more of that. Lord, keep my brother from the evil one. Keep my sister from the evil one. Because the evil one, that's the prayer Jesus prayed. Keep her from the evil one. Oh, God, keep the pastor from the evil one. Amen. Somebody pray for me. Hallelujah. Keep him, Lord. But especially when you see somebody in trouble. Especially when you see somebody in trouble. Jesus, keep them from the evil one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Reshaping society as we close. 
We strive to live in purity. We must be careful not to shoot at society, but instead shine in it. I think the Lord's been talking to us about that, hasn't it? He talks about us being blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hallelujah. Shine, Jesus, shine. That's my prayer more and more. Shine, Lord, wherever there's darkness, shine. Shine in the darkness. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. We just need to continue to pray. Shine. If you don't know which prayer to pray, the darkness will hinder you and, and discourage you. And Amen. Well, the older church showed that the best way to take the moral high ground in corrupt culture was through leading by example, not by taking the role of an adversary. Amen. Leading by example, not by taking the role of the adversary. I'm against you, you're against me. No, the devil gets the church sometimes in that. That is not our role. I am not, I will not take the role as the adversary. I feel God speaking right now. I will not become the adversary to you. Amen. How many know the church needs to hear that years past and whenever? There's more adversarial things going on between members, between people. Come on. You've been in the church long enough. Most of you know what I'm talking about. And it has hindered. That brings a hopelessness. That brings, God, is there any place? Is there anyone? I've been at that place. That God, is there a preacher that will tell the truth? Is there anybody that will preach it, that will love, that speak love, but really love? They won't lie to me. And God answered the prayer. I mean, God always has somebody somewhere so you don't have to give up and be on the outside. Keep going till God helps you get on the inside. Amen? So we got to shine it. We can't shoot at it. Amen? I said, we've got to be careful not to shoot at society. He says, but instead shine in it. Strive to live in purity. Strive to live in purity. That's a big issue today. We talked about it last week. Staying pure in a wicked world, a wicked society. We saw how to do that last week. And God helping us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Another dynamic way of living, the living church can capture the moment and seek to save America to be active in social needs and crises in our community. Winning the trust of those we want to reach for Christ begins with showing them there's love, which can only be done through serving. Amen. Jesus set the ultimate example of revealing how good works create a platform for sharing the gospel. Believers have a role in preserving liberty. We must not become one-sided in our mindset or approach as we seek to affect change in our nation. Over the years, I've lamented the preoccupation some American Christians have had in seeking to change our country through a political agenda alone. Without first laying, how many in your past have felt like one political group was the answer over the other? And you really thought that was true in years past. It may have been part of the answer, but it wasn't the ultimate answer. So we're still facing the same problems we did, no matter who was in. But we got to first lay a foundation of love and good works and worthy goals. Amen. That being said, the preservation of America's liberty and the redemption of our society does not necessitate, does necessitate taking certain action. Our participation participation in political privileges of our free society is actually the responsible exercise of our role as disciples of Christ. We ought to say something. I said we ought to say something. First Lady went to the general, to the council here meeting Wednesday night to get in to say something. She didn't realize you had to get a little card to say something. And she had something to say. Yeah, how many have something to say? God wants to say something through you, whether it's through the ballot box However God leads you, each one is important in God saying something through you. There is a time to speak up. 
It's not a time to say, well, that's blood going. I'm not going to get involved in, and we're just supposed to save souls. Well, you, that's all part of it. That's the problem we've had. We give all that to the devil, and we sit over here and look where it's gone. Praise God. Declare his truth. Dispense his power. Our primary mission, I heard this morning, again, he shares, confirms it, is to evangelize lost souls. Ultimately, that's how America's going to be saved. Evangelize lost souls. Let's not get hung up in this and that. God may lead us to be over here, you know, with clarinet or with that or whatever that is. But the bottom line is the evangelization, evangelization of lost souls. Whenever I go into Walmart, wherever I go, my one thought is, this person, are they saved? Let me, sh- let me leave something with them. Amen. That's the most important thing. Matter of fact, you think about those 50 people that were killed in or- Orlando. How many of them do you think were saved? Hmm. That's how I think. That's how we should be thinking. God, everybody that left, everybody that got killed, were they saved? I have a role in that. I did, God didn't just call me to be saved and sit on, you know, get all I can, can all I get and sit on the can. <laughs> Hallelujah. Evangelizing. How many people pass you every day? God has you pass. And you never have a word to speak to them really about Christ. You don't even recognize you're going on what you're doing. You don't have a track on you. You don't have anything to leave with them. Most of the church is not concerned about lost souls. Come on. Can I be honest with you, church? I saw that a long time ago with a a beautiful pastor I had. Beautiful. He's still a beautiful man of God. But we would be among when we would go out. He had no concern at all for that one on the street or in wherever we were at. Not a thought of where they were going. And I thought, there's something wrong with that. I never said anything to him because I respect him. But I said, God, when I get in that position, I will always have something to share with somebody. I may not be able to speak anything to him, but I can leave something with him. How many people have I passed? It's not the ones that I've gotten. I've got a lot of them, but it's the ones I missed. I've gone back sometimes. There was, a, there was one of the cashiers at Walmart. It's not to build me. I'm just telling you how important it is. And I missed my opportunity with it. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit. You know, you ever feel the Holy Spirit kind of tugging on you to do something and and, you know, we're all kind of, I'm more private, I'm more introvert than I'm extrovert. I know you don't believe that, but it's true. Uh, but she got away, and I didn't know, and I just felt like the Lord had, the Holy Spirit said, give her that. I got keep a little truck that says uh, 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 something about being beautiful. And uh, uh, what does that say? Come on. But there's something you can find at the bookstore, something that the Lord impressed you with that you can have on you ready, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Are you hearing part of your armor? Amen. Amen, amen. And make a long story short, and I got, I know I'm, oh man, come on, Ron, Pastor, I'm done. I'll just leave with this. I say, well, I missed it. I always feel bad when I mess up. I know the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged me. How many know the devil will never nudge you to give a track to somebody? So, but he doesn't always tell me. The Holy Spirit doesn't always tell you to do something with somebody. So it's not a matter of just blanketing. It's a matter of just doing as the Lord leads you. So I said, well, who's that? Well, I left Walmart parking lot over here. Hallelujah. She had gone on a break, apparently. And there she was walking between there and the 99-cent store. And I was coming right out there. I pulled right up. I said, hey. I said, this is for you. I said, you're somebody special. Said, oh, thank you. And I went right on. Now, see, now they may think you're trying to put a make on them. But when they look at it and turn it over, and said, oh, no, he, that, ain't, that ain't where he's coming from. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'd rather be misunderstood if you think that. But once you see it, you'll know that I care more about you. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Are you hearing me, church? There's testimonies of people pulling a little track out of a, out of a coat, suit coat, a year later, and that man, a businessman getting saved because somebody gave him something. The communists know how important the printed page is. They print millions and billions of pamphlets every year because they know the power of the word. Stand with me. Praise God. Hallelujah. I mean, ultimately, that's how America's going to be saved. One-on-one. One-on-one. There's some tracks out in the foyer in the lobby. Feel free. They're free. Pick up a few if you like. Football ones there for guys, that, for guys, whatever you see, go to the bookstore. Let's get serious about evangelizing. Amen? Let's be prepared and be ready. And above all, let us thank God that his hand is moved by the prayers of his people. Can you thank God that his hand is moved by the prayers of his people? And God doesn't need the anger of an enraged group of saints who feel their standards have been violated. Amen. He just needs your prayers. He just needs our prayers. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this hour, this time that we face in America as Americans. Divine time, Father, for that this world is facing, not just us, but over the entire world, nations. Lord, we see that you, you have told us, you have, you have given us light and given us revelation that you are, you are God who's rebuilding and restoring. And we, we hold on to that. No matter what we see the enemy tearing down, we know the end result of whatever is torn down. We believe, Father, that it will be rebuilt, that you will build up and restore. Amen. Everything that the enemy would do or try to do. Do you believe that, church? You believe that for your family? You believe that for your situations? Rebuilding, restoring. Father, we thank you. It's by your spirit. We ask you, Father, to help us. Give us a spirit of prayer. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and just receive his blessing? Just say, Lord, give me a spirit of prayer. Yeah, give me a spirit of intercession. Help me, Father, in, I don't really know, maybe know what exactly to say, but Lord, you just, just give me the words and pray through me. Lord, help me to, to make time. Help me to be part of the saving of America. Steps to saving America. Steps to evangelizing one, one-on-one. We are the answer, Father. And help us as this church here in this community. Lord, if we get one, we get two, we get three, we get four. We get people that are really give us a burden for souls. Burden for people's eternity. Where are they going? Are they saved? Are they lost? Are they going to heaven? Are they going to hell? God, give us a heart for people like you have and help us, Father, to be the church that you have called us to be. Thank you for what each one is doing now. Thank you for the part they play now. Thank you for how they have made their impact felt through their prayers, through their giving, through their attendance, Lord, through their service. I ask you, Father, to use us even greater in the days ahead. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I bless you and I praise you. I thank you for each one here today. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for their life. We are part of the answer. Thank you for helping us use us. Use us as your church, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise offering. We rebuke the spirit of hopelessness off of America. Amen. And we look forward to all God's doing with us. I love you. God loves you. We are the answer. Amen. Jesus is the answer through you. Hallelujah. God use you. God bless you. God bless you coming and going. Receive his blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen.